Now, uh, while I was in um, Tanzania, um, they made us sleep in bunk beds. Hopefully there's a slide coming up in a minute. Uh, which, was, um, which was actually comfortable enough. There was nothing wrong with the, the bed. But, um, but on several occasions, I smacked my head um, on the, the bed uh, uh, above, um, which was quite painful. I could have done with a sign that said, you know, mind your head on the top of the, the bunk bed. Um, as I don't think the option, really, of wearing a helmet in bed was realistic or practical. I'm also um, amazed, uh, maybe you're like me, amazed at the number of people um, who still don't wear bicycle helmets. What is that all about? I mean, I think it's thought that about maybe 70%, uh, there's a 70% reduction in a serious head injury if you're wearing a a helmet, something like that. Uh, What is that all about? Is that something to do with vanity? I don't know. Mind your head. Mind your head. And so it amazes me just how many of us, uh, if you're a Christian here um, this morning, do not mind our heads when it comes to our salvation. We, we swim in the currents of the world's ideas and the entertainment, uh, and we quickly get a, a sense of buying into those assumptions that the world has. The ideas uh, of the world that say, oh, there's no, there's no absolute truth or um, there's no moral norms. We're carelessly, so to speak, uh, cycle around the world without our helmets on and so are exposed, aren't we, to every lie the evil one would put in our way. And so the danger is that we might one day come off, come crashing off our bikes and smash our heads. And of course that can be so dangerous and can be so fatal. And so Paul instructs here, take the helmet of salvation. Take it. It's a command. Take it. Let's pray. God our Father, we pray as we think about what it means to take the helmet of salvation. We pray that you'll help us to understand this and to put it on and to keep it on as we face the battle. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been following this series um, through uh, Ephesians 6 about putting the full armour of God in. And uh, now we come to the last major part of the body that, um, to be covered, uh, namely that the head take the helmet of salvation. But what is the helmet of salvation? What is it talking about here? I'm sure, as I've already said, we don't need to persuade ourselves of the importance of the helmet. Everyone understands the, in the intensity of a battle, a soldier without a helmet is incredibly vulnerable. No matter how, how well we might be dressed for the rest of the, the body, uh, how well it's covered, you know, one blow to the head could be the end of it. And Paul has it in view that Roman soldier, and uses the armour to, to spiritually show how the Christian soldier must stand against the evil one. Now, the, the, the Roman helmet was a, was a kind of cap, you can see a picture of it there, made of leather that was covered in plates uh, of metal. 
And Paul says this helmet must be worn uh, by the Christian soldier to protect against disaster. But why does Paul call it a helmet of salvation? Why a helmet of salvation? Well, to understand this, um, Paul wants us to uh, understand uh, we need to turn to our passage in 1 Thessalonians that we had read for us, 1 Thessalonians 5. And of course, it's always good to help understand a passage, to read scripture in the light of other scripture. That's just a good principle, isn't it? Because it helps us to understand what the scriptures are saying. Now, um, Paul is speaking to a church in Thessalonica uh, who are feeling discouraged. They're feeling discouraged. They're feeling discouraged. Why? Because the Lord Jesus hasn't returned, hasn't yet returned. And so in verse 8, he says this, Since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. The hope of salvation as a helmet. There it is. There's, there's the key. A soldier that goes out to fight needs their brain protected, their mind protected in the hope of salvation, the hope of deliverance, the hope of victory. The helmet of hope is designed to counteract the tendency for all of us to become discouraged as we wait for that final day, to get our thinking pattern uh, right. Uh, if we don't get it right, it can lead to that kind of spiritual depression, that spiritual inertia, and we could even abandon the battle and just completely retreat. And I think, you know, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, um, you will know just how the evil one and the mind uh, works. You know, you know the kind of thing how it comes to us in our, in our heads. You know, that kind of look. Look who you are. Call yourself a Christian. You've been, what, a Christian? 10, 20, 30 years? Where have you got to? Little progress made. See how the mind churns. We've all been in that kind of thinking, and it goes on. Look at... How sad and pathetic your Christian life is. You know, you just keep on sinning. The, the same sins. What's the point? Where's it all got you? See how the evil one plants, plants thoughts to get us down. And his goal is to, to is what? To, to get us off the front line, to, to get us uh, to retreat. And he keeps on going with those insinuations. You're just not going to make it, are you? You're not good enough. What, you, a child of God? You're not worth it. Just a useless sinner, a bad heart, bad habits, bad record, bad motives. What do you know about Christ? Might as well give up. There's no hope for you, is there? And besides, it goes on, doesn't it? It goes, look at your family. Look at your church. Look at the nation. Oh, the nation, look how it's divided. There's no hope there. Look at the nation, how there's stabbings on the streets. 
Think about your family and how disjointed and disorganized it is. Your children seem to have wandered away from the faith. What kind of parent are you? You must be a lousy parent. You have that? I have that? An evil one comes like that. Using one form of reasoning or another, time after time. And all the whole point is to try and get you to go able, To go absent without leave. And Satan says, comes along and says, well, sure, why not? Why not? If you're not making any progress, why not get out of there? And I don't know, perhaps you're right there in that moment today. And we need to consider what is the response? How do we respond? Well, Paul says, take up this helmet of salvation, the helmet of hope, the helmet of sal- the hope of salvation, as he says in 1 Thessalonians 5. The hope of salvation, the future glory that victory is assured. To put it on means to reset your thinking. Think about your salvation. And I think our natural um, sort of default position is to slip into the thinking about just the here and now, you know, the, the next problem we face, you know, what is in store for us tomorrow. And of course, we do need to face those, but we so easily just fix our eyes on the here and now. Our horizons never look up to think about the hope of salvation that is come, the great victory. We just think about the here and now and the next disappointment. Instead, Paul wants us to, to take the helmet of salvation, the hope of salvation, and to think, and to think about that hope of salvation. And not to think about so much about ourselves, but to think about God's salvation, about what he's done and the incredible hope that we have in Christ Jesus. He wants us to kind of look up, to lift our heads up and look to the horizon. Now, let's think about this in a bit more detail. Secondly, I want us to think about the hope of complete salvation. The hope of complete salvation. Now, one of the difficulties, I think, that um, when we hear the word salvation as Christians, we often think about it in one dimension. We think of salvation as something that we were saved in the past. It's Uh, And so we tend to forget that actually it has multiple dimensions. It has a three-dimensional in the Bible. It talks about the past, the present, and the future. So, for example, in Philippians 2.12, it says, continue to work out your salvation in fear and trembling. It's meaning, you know, it's a a present tense. Uh, In Romans 5.10, you get the past and the present in the same Sentence. It says, if we've been reconciled to the Father through his death, that's the, the past, how much more will we be saved by his life? Thinking about the future tense. And the, the Bible says, and I think we need to, to know this, the Bible says Christ has saved us, Christ is saving us, and Christ will save us. And when we forget the hope of salvation, that future completion, we're so prone to that point of discouragement because it gets us to look down. And, you know, and think, well, I thought I had it sorted. I can't understand why I've made so little progress. 
I thought salvation was supposed to be uh, done for me. But of course it's present and it's future. The Bible tells us that there is a day coming when you and I, as we stand, we will stand complete. And we need to hold on to that, don't we? You need to hold on to that, that day, that it's going to be completed. We will be glorious, we will be glorious people in Christ. You'll be bright and stainless. You'll be bright, stainless, a kind of mirror reflecting back to God, his own boundless goodness and power and energy and wisdom and nobility. You won't become God, of course, but you will be like him. In Romans um, 13, verse 11 and 12, it says this, put, it puts it beautifully, our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armour of light. He's talking about that complete salvation, the glory that's to come. He's saying, live as if the day is about to show up. It's so close. So live in the light of that. Live as the salvation is just about to happen. And and, uh, I I rather love the way C.S. Lewis um, talks about this. He's got a great illustration in his essay, The World's Last Night. It's a great essay. Go and read it. If you want to understand what it means to have this hope of complete salvation and how to live in it now... Lewis talks about a woman using her makeup mirror. There's a makeup mirror on the screen. He says, here's a woman, and she's making herself up. She's in her, her flat. It's early in the morning, but the sun is not yet up. The sun's not come up. She's in her flat, and the lights are on. But she knows that what looks good in the flat will not look good under the light of the sun. So what does she do? She she buys herself a makeup mirror. What's the point of a makeup mirror? I don't have an awful lot of experience of this. (laughs) You'd be reassured to know. But if you think about it, what does the makeup mirror do? It turns the light up, doesn't it? It turns the light up. You create an artificial environment in your flat. You create a simulation of the sun. Why? So you can dress yourself in the light that is to come. The glorious light that is going to appear. Why? You dress ready for that day of salvation. You see, you could dress yourself in such a way that's good for the flat, couldn't you? In that kind of half-daisy, daze-like light. But the moment the sun is up in the sky, it's not so good, is it? What am I trying to say? What is Lewis trying to say? Paul says, take the helmet of salvation, the hope of salvation. He means you need to live, on the one hand, with the purity, but on the other hand, with the hope... And the urgency of knowing that any minute, irresistible light is going to appear. That's what he's encouraging us to think about. That God's glory is going to appear on that day. The hope of salvation. And someday it's going to come crashing down 
through the flat, as it so to speak, of our minds, the flat of our, of our life, our time and space, in, 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 a, in an intense weight and beauty. And it will be, it will reveal everything, won't it? And it will bring everything to completion, to complete salvation. It says, um, 1 John 3, 2 says, John, 1 John 3, 2 says, We don't know what we're going to be like, but we know when we see him, we will be like him, for we see him as he is. Whoever hopes in that way purifies himself as he is pure. That's an amazing statement, isn't it? The Christian soldier can stand firm in the battle, knowing that God will complete his salvation on that final day. Be assured of that. Stand in the knowledge of the completion of salvation. And finally, I just want to come back as we end to the importance of our thinking. Our final slide. The importance of our thinking. Let's come back to our minds because we need to think, how, what's this mean for us on, on Monday morning? How can we take up the helmet of salvation? How can we, as Paul instructs Timothy in his second letter, keep your head in all situations? Because so, we're so easy uh, tempted and discouraged at times that we just feel like we might just lose our own mind. We say that, don't we? I think I'm losing my mind. How can we keep our head in all situations? And the importance of thinking. And It's not that fashionable, I think, these days, the importance of thinking about salvation. We just want to feel salvation. But we need to think about it. The protection from the evil one is not so much about how I feel, but is what I know and what I understand about the salvation. So how do we deal with the thoughts of our minds? As many and as varied as those thoughts are, how do we bring them under control becomes of paramount importance. Now, of course, you can, I'm sure you can go on Amazon, uh, Amazon Books, and you can do a quick search and you can discover hundreds of books on PPT. Do you know what PPT is? Power of Positive Thinking. And there's, there's lots of the latest version of that, lots of fad around mindfulness. You might have heard of mindfulness. And I know there's some well-meaning um, Christians have tried to piggyback on to um, this, but it's at its heart, mindfulness really is about Eastern mysticism. It comes out of that. And that has very little to do with the Christian mind. Because the real problem with mindfulness is it gets you to point in the wrong direction. That's the real issue. It gets us to focus on yourself and not on the riches of knowing Christ. Because that's where salvation is found, is in knowing Christ. Our only power against the evil one is God's salvation. That is our only power against, God, against the evil one. Paul, throughout Ephesians does this by reminding um, the people in Ephesus over and over again of the vastness of God's love. In chapter 2, he says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. Even when we were dead in transgression, it is by grace you have been saved. 
Again, in chapter 3, he prays for them that they may know how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ. So, have you this morning ever known the love of God in Christ Jesus? That's an important question. Maybe you're not a Christian here, and you need to know the love of God in Christ Jesus. Come and talk to me or to, to Andrew afterwards. Love to share that with you. What had these people in Ephesus done to deserve this love? Well, nothing. And so we need to dwell more and more on this. We need to realize that our minds matter. What we fill our minds with matters. It will direct what you will become. Now, I very much remember when um, Hannah and I first got married... We used to watch a lot of EastEnders. I know that's hard to believe that we, so culturally diverse, would uh, watch EastEnders. But when we first got married, we watched EastEnders. And um, we'd watch it every day. And then we sometimes, if we missed the, when it was on, we'd always catch the repeat. But I realized after a while how actually destructive watching it was. Um, it was filling our minds with negative story after negative story after negative story about hatred, about cheating, about uh, all sorts of things, murder and hatred. And it was affecting um, me, and it was affecting my thinking. And so I decided to stop um, watching. Now, of course, we only watch uh, Call the Midwife, um, <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which I don't want to watch for other reasons. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, but you, you get the point. I'm not saying we, don't, we can't watch anything, but it, you do realise what I'm saying. You know, when we can get into watching things and we become, it affects us, what we fill our minds. And I begin to learn the truth of what Paul says in Philippians 4.8. He says there, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. How important that is, to think about such things. And so I want to ask you this morning, I mean this in all seriousness and love, is how is our thinking going today? And of course, when we do this, when we start to think about these things that Paul's talking about in Philippians here, what do we see? Whatever is true, think about whatever is true. What is true? We realize Jesus is ultimate truth, isn't he? Let's think about Jesus because he's going to show us what is true. He says, whatever is noble, then we think about what is noble. We realize that Jesus is the most noble person we can ever think or imagine, isn't he? And read about. Think about Jesus. Jesus was the ultimate man of nobility. Jesus was the ultimate righteous person. He was the ultimate pure person. He was the ultimate lovely person. He was the ultimate admirable person who has ever lived. Think about these things. Think about Jesus, whose name means to save. He is the ultimate helmet of salvation, isn't he? To be a Christian is to call, is a call to think deeply about salvation, about Jesus Christ, who is our saviour. And so we come back to the beginning. God commands us to, today to receive the helmet of salvation, to protect you from the evil one, and to encourage you. That's how it's going to happen. 
God has saved you from your sin, from the penalty of sin through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. He is saving you in the present from the power of sin and he will save you from sin's presence forever when Jesus returns in glory. So mind your head. Mind your head. Do not go out into the battle without your helmet. Stand firm against the discouraging accusations of the evil one and take up the helmet of salvation. Mind your head. Let's pray. Oh God, our Father, we so easily get discouraged and our perspective narrows onto the here and now. We pray that you will show us how to take up the helmet of salvation, the hope of salvation, and that we would look to the horizon, knowing that day is near. Keep our minds fixed on what is true, on what is good, what is lovely and pure. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the hope of our salvation. We pray that this day and always. Amen.